We are continuing our series on the Holy Spirit called The Spirit. We're in week seven, but it's really week six, part two. And so we're continuing last week uh, talking about being spirit-led, living a spirit-led life and uh, what that looks like because we have incredible promises that we can be led by the Holy Spirit of God through this life. And that's an amazing, amazing thing that we can have a a connection with God that can help us understand what we should do, how we should do it, and all these sorts of things. It's amazing, amazing stuff. We can hear from God. Isn't that incredible? You've probably heard that. You, you must have heard that before. Uh, probably last week. Uh, since this is a recap from last week. But, you know, we covered various uh, promises of the Holy Spirit last week and a bunch of examples from the book of Acts. We're going to look at another example this week um, and just show that that the Spirit-led life is both theologically normal and practically normal in the Bible. It's a New Testament way of being and it is still today the normal Christian way of being. We have access to the Holy Spirit of God to guide us and to lead us through this life. And so we started the frequently asked questions. The FAQs on that first one that we covered uh, last week was, so what's it like? If you're going to hear from God, you know, what does that mean? Uh, the normal hearing from God, the normal everyday hearing from God is this still small voice that's, that uh, is talked about in, in Kings chapter 19. And so 1 Kings 19, let's read that. 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. Um, this is a very famous passage of Scripture, but let's look at... Uh, so, God tells Elijah, go over there and I'm going to talk to you. What do you think Elijah's expecting? Something big, right? Something big. Let's see what happens. This is an amazing thing. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. Oops. After that, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Verse 13. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> he was pouting. If, if you know the story, he was pouting. Uh, man, a wind that tears the mountains apart, is that God? Very noisy. A fire. An earthquake. Again, spectacular. Then a gentle whisper. That is a... That's a picture of what the daily walking with God, the daily being led by the Spirit experience is like. There's all these noisy things going on, but there's that still small voice, that gentle whisper in our heart that we can hear if we listen. And so that's what that's like. Don't be looking for... Um, necessarily external circumstances. I warned you about 
uh, putting out fleeces and praying for God to shut the door uh, and that sort of a thing. You want to be careful about that. You know, if, if you say, well, Lord, I'll, I'll marry this person if a red car drives by, that's really not the best way to hear from God. Uh, you may end up just wandering into crazy things that way. Uh, now, sometimes God is super kind, right? And He'll, He'll take care of us when we don't really know how to listen to the still small voice. So I didn't want to come down too hard on that sort of thing because, man, some people have put out fleeces and incredible things have happened. Also, be careful about saying, Lord, open the door. Lord, close the door. Because, you know, there's more powers at play in this world than just God, Right? And so let's say that God has shown you to do something, and so you step out and start doing it. Might there be a satanic attack against that? Yes, there might. And if you've prayed, Lord, close the door, and then all of a sudden you're getting resistance, you might think, oh, well, the Lord's closing the door. And so then you back away. And now you've misinterpreted the enemy's attack for the leading of the Spirit. And that's a bad misinterpretation. You don't want to get those two mixed up. And so we want to be able to hear the still small voice. We don't want God to have to shout. We want to be able to hear the whisper. And so that's what we talked about last week. Now we're going to get into more frequently asked questions. So let's pray and we'll get into new material this week. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, that you don't leave us down here to wander around, do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit and you guide us by your word. Bless our time this morning. Help us to grab hold of your truth and help us to be able to take a step forward in serving you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So that's the normal way of hearing from God is the still small voice. There can be visions. There can be uh, you know, dreams. There can be amazing things that happen. But the normal walking with God and, and hearing the Spirit is that still small voice. So here's a question, frequently asked question. How does it go wrong? Have you ever had somebody say, God told me, and you thought to yourself, no, he didn't. <laughs> he did not, because God would not say that. And, and I just don't think God's talking to you. Have you. You've had that happen, right? You've heard people, and they say, God said, and you're like, nope. So how does it go wrong? How does this get messed up? Um, what are the things that can cause problems? Well, let me say this first. We all miss it from time to time. If we're trying to hear the still small voice, there are loud things in our life that can distract us and cause us to miss the still small voice. And so we need to be careful about uh, being overconfident in what somebody says or in even how we're being led. We need to learn over time and get better. Um, this is dealt with in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 19 through 21. This is a, a church environment that's being discussed, but it also applies to the individual personal experience. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Come on. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. That's good. Test everything. So, do not treat prophecies with contempt. Don't shut down prophecies. However, <laughs> test everything. However, don't just blindly believe somebody when they say, God told me to tell you this. Because sometimes it's just going to be off. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Test everything. Hold on to the good. 
This is a very clear acknowledgement that we should let the Spirit speak, but we should not be naive and foolish and just accept anything anybody says. Test everything. Hold on to the good. I tell you, if you can learn that principle, hold on to the good. There's a lot of messed up stuff, right? But there's a lot of good stuff too. If we can get our focus off of the messed up stuff and hold on to the good, man, that makes for, that makes for a nice life. A nice life. We want to be able to hold on to the good. Here's some ways that we can miss it. Way number one, we can think emotions or desires are God talking to us. Our emotions can be very loud. You know, uh, our desires can be very loud. And they can, they can be louder than this still small voice. Um, the best example I've got for me in this particular area is <clears throat> when, when God was calling me to move to Cloquet, I wasn't, I wasn't sure that I was supposed to. And I had an emotional reason to not. And so that was a strong emotional reason. And it was also tied in with a pride thing too. You know, I was a chip on my shoulder kind of a guy and um, had certain opinions. And, and those opinions caused an emotional thing in, in my heart of pastors don't move. The only ones who move are the ones who are too weak to battle through the difficult times. And those losers should just be ignored because they're bad people. You know, they're just bad. And so, and in here, I'm getting this thing of go to cloquet. Like, what? Good pastors don't move. And it, it, was, it was hard for me to set aside that voice that I was so connected to and hear, yeah, but Mike, it's time for you to go there. And it was difficult. And it took three years to get confident. Three years of prayer. Three years of seeking. Three years of reevaluation for me to get settled in. Yeah. I think I am supposed to go to Cloquet. Um, and hallelujah, I'm super happy to be in Cloquet. So, praise God for that. But the emotions I was going through, the desires that I had, the picture in my mind, had to be quieted so I could listen to the Holy Spirit. Another way that we can miss it is by projecting what God is saying to me Onto other people. We can think, you know, God will show us something about us and we will focus it on them. God will tell us to do something and we'll be mad that they're not doing it. Uh, this is one of the key ways you can find out what your calling is. What are you mad about that the church isn't doing or that the church isn't doing right? There's your calling. <laughs> there it is. It's, it's a misinterpretation. It's whose heart is that on? 
If it's on yours, who's God talking to? If He's talking to you, who's supposed to deal with it? (laughs) It's supposed to be you. So if that happens all the time, oh, the church should do this, bunch of jerks, you know, they should be taken care of. Well, whose heart is that on? Who is God whispering that to? He's whispering it to you. Then you probably have something to do with it. Did you know I hated preachers? Thought they were terrible. They always said stuff wrong. They, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Trinette will tell you stories. We'd go to church and the whole ride back was, can you believe he made this mistake? And he said this thing wrong. And he, and he, if you, if you say this, that's going to lead people to believe this and that's error. So, you know, and I just go on and on and on and on. Why? Because God was calling me to preach and I was projecting what he was showing me onto other people. That's a way we can miss it. And that can be a heart miss. Another thing we can do is misinterpret what God is saying to us. There's a really interesting example of that in Acts chapter 20 and 21, where the Apostle Paul is shown something from the Holy Spirit and a prophet named Agabus, who we talked about last week, who said there was going to be a famine in the land. So everybody decided, all right, well, let's start gathering supplies. So Agabus is a well-trusted prophet. And the Apostle Paul, of course, is the Apostle Paul. And so let's look at this. And it's very interesting about misinterpreting what the Holy Spirit is saying. Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul is given a speech and he says, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Oh, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. So what is the Holy Spirit telling Paul? Prison and hardship are facing you. He wants to go to Jerusalem. The Spirit says go to Jerusalem. Prison and hardship are facing you. Chapter 21. Agabus shows up. Verse 10. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit revealed the same thing. Prison and hardships are awaiting you. Paul interpreted that as, well, I better be ready then, because I'm going. And I better be ready to face the difficulties that are on the road that God has called me to walk. And the other people interpreted that as, get out, man! (laughs) Go the other way! Run! Don't go to Jerusalem. The Spirit said the same thing. Paul interpreted it as, go to Jerusalem. The others interpreted it as, don't go to Jerusalem. The Spirit said the same thing. We can misinterpret. So we need to know what God's overall plan is, what God's call is, and then we can tell the difference between a warning and a call to prepare and be ready. You know, like, 
get out versus you're going to the cross. Be ready. You know, very different stuff. So we can misinterpret. We can hear from God, but take it the wrong direction. Another way that we can miss it is we can see the finished product, but not realize there are a whole bunch of steps along the way. Like, for example, when I first got called to preach, I was not capable of preaching. And nobody would have let me anyway. So, now what do you do? Well, my choice was to complain about preachers, uh, but that's not the right thing to do. Uh, the right thing is to start cleaning the church. I figured that out later and got my vacuum cleaner and got my toilet brush and started cleaning the church. And then I taught... Uh, Third and fourth grade Sunday school boys class. That was that was that was ridiculous. Um, but I tell you what, they were shocked when the Sunday school meeting came up and they had said, "Hey, anybody interested in teaching Sunday school? Show up for the meeting." And here comes this, you know, I think I was about twenty five, twenty six at that point, and walked into the meeting. I want to teach Sunday school. Like, great, you've got the boys. You know, like, uh, but there are these steps along the way, and you've got to walk the path. You've got to take the steps. If you don't take those steps, the thing you've been shown that's down the road isn't going to happen. And then you'll have heard from God, my future's supposed to be like this, but you don't get to have that future because you didn't do what you needed to do today. So that's another way we can miss it. Let me just say one more thing when we're talking about missing it. Unstable people can really mess this up. Unstable people can really mess this up. I saw an interview of a guy who's on death row who said that he asked God if he should do the thing that he's on death row for. And God said, yeah, go ahead. That'd be perfectly fine. Unstable people can really mess this up. That's why we need to test everything. And one of the one of the unfortunate things is a spirit-led environment can be an opportunity for unstable people if the people in that environment are not discerning people. So you have to test everything. You have to be aware Okay, this is somebody I'm not going to trust. And if we shouldn't trust that person, don't trust them. Unstable people can really mess this up. Um, <clears throat> oh, important point here. If God is telling you something, it must line up with biblical morality. If what God is showing you to do does not line up with biblical morality, it is not God. Okay, You are not the one exception on the planet that gets to not align yourself with biblical morality. That's not God. So, that's one way you can tell if God is talking to you or not, is if it lines up with biblical morality. Alright. So, <clears throat> how does it go wrong as an FAQ? Another FAQ is, I don't seem to be hearing anything. What do I do? I don't seem to be hearing anything. What do I do? Have you ever been in that spot? Lord, show me. And don't, don't show me what crickets sound like because I'm getting tired of crickets. 
I'm not hearing anything. What do I do? Well, this basically boils down to an, uh, an inability to get alone with God. An inability to get alone with God. We need to be able to get alone with God. Um, there are reasons why people can't get alone with God. There can be trust issues. You know, you've been, you've been really hurt and betrayed in your life, and so you put walls up that keep you safe from people uh, doing bad things. But it also puts up a wall between you and God because you can't open yourself up. And so you can't get alone with God. That can stop you from hearing because you've got walls up. You might be in a situation where you need to keep the walls up with certain people. But you need to learn how to open the door to the Spirit. So having trust issues can cause a difficulty with getting alone with God. Sin separates us from God. Have you heard that? Sin separates us from God. I can specifically remember a situation where I was dealing with unforgiveness and I could feel it separating me from God. It took me a year to forgive in this particular situation and the thing that motivated me the most was I could just feel myself slipping away from God. And I knew this unforgiveness was pushing me away from God. Had to deal with it. Sin separates us from God. Pride, not wanting to hear. You know, because if you're, I'll talk about that in a second. If you're going to ask God a question, be ready. He'll answer it, and then you're going to have to deal with that. So not wanting to hear can, can cause us problems. Another thing that can uh, mess us up with hearing from God is uh, surrogate relationships with other things that aren't God, but might confuse us. Like, for example, you can have a relationship with church that fills that hole in your heart that only God should fill, but it's filled with church. Is church going to give you a still small voice? No, it's going to be on a microphone and it's going to be on the internet and it's not the still small voice in your heart. It's church. Church is great. But church is not God. Church is a, is a tool. It's a group of people working together so that people can come in and serve God and learn about God, and grow in the Lord. But church is not God. And if we have a relationship with church, and we try to hear from God, and we don't have a relationship with God, it's not going to work, because our relationship is with church. We can have other types of surrogate relationships. Pastors can have surrogate relationships with church growth. You know, like, how do we get the church to the next thing? They become entrepreneurs, and instead of people who are connected with God and leading people where God is showing them to go, they're following the, the latest conference and technique for church growth, and they're no longer connected with God, they're connected with books about church growth. But that sounds good, That's, it's just a surrogate relationship. We can, be, uh, we can have surrogate relationships with theology, political stances, moral or social opinions, Rather than with God. How you doing? Doing good? Alright. I'm glad the power came back on so we could have coffee. Everybody could be happy. It's good. It's good. So we got to watch out for those surrogate relationships because those idols are mute. They will not speak to you. Only the Holy Spirit of God will whisper. And you can hear. Those idols are mute. But they will potentially distract people from actually seeking God and developing the relationship with God 
because they have that relationship with church or they have that relationship with their you know, strong theological opinions or whatever the case may be. We need to have a relationship with the living God. We need to get alone with God, not alone with our ideas or our church affiliations or those sorts of things. Those idols are mute. I don't seem to be hearing anything. What did you do with the last thing you heard? If God has ever spoken to you, what did you do with the last thing you heard? When I was a fairly new Christian, this was maybe eight years in, five, seven, maybe seven, I had missed it a couple times. I had God had showed me to do something, I didn't do it. You ever chicken out? Chickened out. And then I got another, tell this guy this thing. Very clear. Specific thing, specific person. What did I do? Chickened out. Didn't say it. And then there was no still small voice for six months. Nothing. I'd go to the altar at church week after week. Lord, speak to me. Nothing. Six months of quiet. I was not used to that. What did you do with the last thing you heard? Did God show you do this? Reconcile with this person? Whatever it may be. Do it. All right. How do I learn? Next FAQ. I could go on forever, but I... No, I should. It's very safe to come to the nine o'clock service because I have to finish on time. You are smart people. How do I learn? Well, number one, practice. You got to practice. You got to ask God to show you things. Then when you feel like he showed you something, do it. That's why we pray for the offering the way we do, because that's a very safe place to learn to hear from God. You know, like, should I put in $20 or $50? Well, Lord, what do you want me to do? 50? All right, sweet. You know, you put the money in, and guess what? If it was supposed to be 20, is the world going to come to an end? No. If it was supposed to be 100, is the world going to come to an end? No. It's a very safe place to learn to hear from God. And you can hear very quickly. I remember one time, I, I got caught up in the moment, you know, the speaker was good, the, the cause was awesome, and so I wrote out a check, put it in the plate, it went by, and I'm like, I shouldn't have given that. But, oh well, you know, there it went. Is that, is that the end of the world? Pastor Mike gave more than he should have to an important, meaningful cause. No, that doesn't hurt anything, does it? Well, that's okay. But you can hear from God by practicing, and then you can notice, oh, that was just emotion. I was caught up in the motion of the moment. Okay. Now I know what that feels like. I can pay attention to that in the future. I can know the difference between that whisper from God and getting caught up in the moment. But you have to practice. Believe James 1, 5 through 7. Here's what it says there. If any of you lasts wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. We need to believe that. Because it also says, but when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything. From the Lord. So, how do I figure out how to do this? First, believe the promise. 
That if we lack wisdom, we can ask God and He will give generously without finding fault. That means that He's not going to be like, oh, you can't figure that out? Goofball. You know, he, He doesn't do that. He's like, oh, okay, let me help you out. And He will give generously. He will give us wisdom generously without finding fault, but we have to believe He'll do that. Then go ahead and obey. You ready for the mean thing it says in my notes? Here's what it says. It's very mean. It says, if you are not prepared to obey, then don't ask. And don't pretend that Jesus is your Lord. If your Lord says something to you, would you do it? You would. Because if the Lord says it, He's your Lord, He's your God, He's your authority, He's your King... Jesus says, jump, you say, how high? If, if you're not prepared to obey, don't ask. Get yourself into a place where you are prepared to obey. And then ask. One last thing. Fast. Fasting is a great way to learn. Because you will find out the difference between the still small voice and your flesh. <laughs> Should you sneak out and eat something? Well, there will be a voice that tells you to do that. <laughs> right? And you'll be like, oh, okay. That's just, that's my stomach. I didn't know my stomach could talk, but it's talking to me right now. And it's saying, apple pie. You know? And, and you're like, okay, that's my stomach. Okay, that's not the still small voice. Fasting and praying and spending time with God that way is a good way to learn to, to discern between the different voices. All right, we're going to close. I'm going to invite the prayer team up. This is really about being close to God. You and I being close to God. Being close to God heals our heart. It allows us access to the provision and the strength of God. And it makes us able to be Spirit-led. I'm going to read one more scripture from James chapter 4. And uh, in James, James is direct. You know what I'm saying? He, he lets it fly. And he lets it fly in these verses. And so I was a little hesitant because I want to be friendly and nice, you know, and that sort of thing. Give people hugs and be happy. And, and there's, some, there's some hard stuff in this. But there's a promise in these verses. And that promise is given to people that James obviously does not think are walking with God. And if these people who are all completely messed up have this promise be true for them, how can it not be true for us? We haven't pushed God too far away if this promise is true. Let's look at James 4, starting in verse 7. It says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse 8, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Who initiates that? You do. Come near to God and He will come near to you. That's the promise. And the promise is for these people. They're double-minded sinners. It says, come near to God and He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up.
These were people that needed to be called to a deep repentance. And the promise is, come near to God. And He'll come near to you. That promise is true for us today. So let's do that right now. Let's come near to God. Let's open ourselves up to Him. I'm going to close in prayer. Then I'll invite people down for personal prayer. And we'll conclude the service. So let's pray. Let's, let's draw near to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we give You praise and we thank You for the promise that says if we come near to You, You will come near to us. And so, we open ourselves up before You this morning. Lord, we, we, we want to come near to You. Lord, come near to us. Help us to hear the still small voice. Help us to walk with You. Give us the wisdom that, it, that is in that promise, Lord. And help us to have the strength to be obedient. Lord, that we can grow. That we can be stronger. That we can draw even nearer to You. So bless us, Lord, in that way. Father, I pray a blessing over each one in this place. Lord, if there are, are things we need to ask for forgiveness over, Lord, let each one right now ask for forgiveness in their own heart. Lord, and, and restore us. Bring us close to You. Lord, if there are things we've left undone that You have shown us to do, Lord, show us if it's time to pick that back up or if we need to do something else. Lord, show us. Encourage us. Let us be a light in this world. Lord, and let us be people of prayer. So, may a blessing be upon us. Encourage us and strengthen us, Lord, as we walk in Your ways. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. The front's open for prayer. Come on down, receive prayer. Any kind of prayer need is great. Just come and receive prayer. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Um, say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage them in the Lord this morning.